from the newsroom of The Washington Post. Hi there, is the mayor in? Marissa Lang with The Washington Post. Hey, it's Dossie. I wanted to pick your brain on the truck. Hi, my name's Jenna Johnson. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, February 22nd. Today, how pregnant people are navigating this big question. Should they get vaccinated? A couple of weeks ago, Dr. Anthony Fauci announced that around 20,000 pregnant people have been successfully vaccinated against COVID-19. With no red flags, as we say, and this is being monitored by the CDC and the FDA. With regard to he also said that new studies are underway to test the vaccine's safety and efficacy in pregnant people. He seemed hopeful about those trials. We will not need to do tens of thousands of people. We will need just enough measured in hundreds to thousands for safety and whether or not we induce an immune response that is equivalent to the immune response that has been proven to be protective under the trials that have now shown to be 94 to 95% effective. For many pregnant people, those assurances are coming pretty late. Because for months, they have been hearing a lot of conflicting information about whether they should get the vaccine or not. And we have some new information for any pregnant women out there. The World Health Organization says you should hold off on getting the Moderna vaccine. Now, I do want to show you the World Health Organization's website and their recommendation. I'll admit it is a little vague, but I want to read it so you hear it directly. They say, we don't have any specific reason to believe there will be specific risks that would outweigh the benefits of vaccination for pregnant women. I saw an article by the Washington Post that the title was Pregnant Women Agonize Over Whether to Get the Vaccine. And I was like, agonize, that is such a perfect word. And that's Rebecca Crystal. She's from Chicago, she's in her third trimester, and she works at an outpatient physical therapy clinic. So I'm not in a hospital, Mm. but I am working face-to-face with patients and helping them through exercises and handing them equipment. And I don't have to touch people um, closely too much, but I am fairly close to individuals. Which means that Rebecca has some exposure as part of her job. And she knows that there are risks to that. Pregnant people are more likely to experience severe illness and death from COVID. Their babies might also be at heightened risk for things like preterm birth. But the thing that could protect Rebecca, this vaccine, she didn't know if there were risks to that as well. When she learned that she might be able to get the vaccine through work, she really wished that there was more concrete guidance, rather than these vague warnings that she heard from her friends and her family. Like thalidomide is something that was mentioned to me as something that had extremely detrimental effects to babies, I guess. Thalidomide, for the record, is a sedative. Back in the 50s and 60s, it was prescribed for morning sickness, but it ended up causing severe birth defects or death for thousands of babies. It hasn't been used in pregnant people for decades, but... People of an older generation reminded me of that and to be cautious and everything. And well, what did you think when they when they started bringing up these concerns or uh, introducing the idea of like, well, maybe you shouldn't take it because maybe it's not safe and we don't really know anything about it. It, it was <laughs> it, it made me 
a little bit more nervous and cautious and just delve back into the research. I said, okay, I'm going to get these opinions. I'm going to sort of, you know, survey, I guess, my my friends and my family, other pregnant friends who are also might not be quite as high up on the list because they don't necessarily work in healthcare. But when your turn is up, what are you thinking of doing? All their answers contradicted each other. Her doctor couldn't give her a clear answer, so she tried to find the answer herself. I was mostly looking online at news sources and anything that was available to the general public as far as, yeah, just reputable news about what should what should pregnant women do. And sometimes in the articles, there were linked the actual studies that have been done about safety factors. So um, I would click on the actual studies and always there was the, the disclaimer that this has not been tested on pregnant individuals. And, you know, one thing that I've heard from pregnant or previously pregnant people that I know is that when you're pregnant, there are just so many warnings about things that could hurt you or your baby, not all of them rooted in science. And you have to make all these decisions about what to do and what to avoid. And all of them are made out to be life and death. So for Rebecca, she was thinking about all these warnings that she'd heard and how they square with the potential side effects of the vaccine. One of the things that did make me nervous was the potential of having a fever reaction. If a pregnant woman were to have a fever, it can be dangerous to the fetus. To be clear, there have been no cases of pregnant people being hospitalized as a result of the vaccine. But for a lot of people, that's still not enough. You would go to the CDC and there was just a little paragraph that said, not information is known about the effects of COVID in pregnancy or breastfeeding. So you were kind of at a loss. That's Ileana Ferrari. She lives in D.C. and she had a baby four months ago. The vaccine, of course, was not available when she was pregnant. But since it came out, she's been thinking a lot about whether to get it. And it's about as unclear for her as it is for currently pregnant people. As a result... I would be hesitant to take it because I do plan to breastfeed my baby for at least three more months, if not the first year of her life. So it will be a while before I can finally say, okay, I'm only dependent of my health and I can take the vaccine. But until then, I am hesitant. Organizations like the CDC and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have weighed in on this. They say that if pregnant or breastfeeding people want to get the vaccine, they certainly can. But they don't explicitly say that they should. I normally would do this and I took the flu shot and I didn't think twice about it. So why am I thinking twice about this? And I think the answer to that is just because there's a lot of unknowns and nobody really has an answer yet um, about the effects of the vaccine, breastfeeding and pregnancy. So initially I was like, no, I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. That's Tamaris Lane. She is a communications professional in Seattle. She comes from Lummi Nation, and she is eight months pregnant. I do trust in vaccinations. This one, having been historical in not only the turnaround, but the necessity and the lack of data for Native people, the lack of information and 
testing or participation on pregnant people is, of course, for concern. There is such a, a sharp history of how medicine has abused Native people. So everybody, <laughs> everybody has a right to be concerned and critical of what this means for them. In the end, these women wanted to feel safe and secure in whatever they decided to do. They wanted to know that all the tests had been done, all the science done to inform their decision making. They wanted to hear, yes, you should get vaccinated, or no, you should wait. But that answer isn't clear. And to understand why, it's helpful to understand the science of vaccines. So, largely, are vaccines safe for pregnant people and for their babies? Yes, there are many vaccines that are used in pregnancy that are safe, that provide health benefits. That's Dr. Ruth Karen. She's the director of the Center for Immunization Research at the Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins. It's important, though, to test those vaccines in pregnant women, both because they may react a bit differently and because some side effects that we see in non-pregnant individuals that aren't of particular concern may be of concern to pregnant women. But there are many vaccines today that we use safely in pregnancy. What's important to understand is that there are different types of vaccines. There are what we call live vaccines, which we normally don't give to pregnant people. Those contain an actual copy of the virus. The considerations around live vaccines are whether the vaccine, which is, say, a weakened virus, could pass, that vaccine itself could pass from the mother to the fetus and have a bad effect on the fetus. But that's not the case for the coronavirus vaccines that have been approved so far. That's not how they work. And that's because they're mRNA vaccines, which are very different. They program your cell. They tell your cell how to make the spike protein in the case of the coronavirus vaccines. So your cell, it turns your cell into a spike protein factory. And rather than giving you the spike protein directly, your cells manufacture the spike protein and then excrete it. And then you develop immunity to that spike protein. That's how mRNA vaccines work. And although drug companies have been working on mRNA vaccines for many years, this is the first time we're seeing them widely in use. So it is new technology and we are just learning about it. And for those reasons, it would be very helpful just as we wanted to have data in non-pregnant people to make decisions about safety and efficacy. We wish that we could have had data in, in pregnant people to make those same decisions. And so it feels like there is an obvious solution. All these pregnant people want more data on how the vaccine could affect them. Dr. Karen and other scientists want more data. And that data would be attainable if we included pregnant people in clinical trials from the get-go. But the reason that didn't happen here is because of how clinical trials work, how drug companies develop vaccines, and how the medical community thinks about women, and in particular, pregnant women. You would never start what we would call, say, a phase one trial, first in human, in pregnant individuals. You would always gather data first in non-pregnant individuals. Because the idea is that pregnant people are more vulnerable, that their babies are more vulnerable, and that it's just too much risk, especially for them. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure I would use the word vulnerable to describe pregnant women um, because that suggests that they don't have agency. And we, you know, vulnerable in other contexts has been used to describe children, prisoners, individuals who don't have agency. Pregnant women have plenty of agency and can make their own decisions. But what I think you're saying is that there may be particular health considerations specific to pregnant women and their fetuses. And so when we don't really understand much about the risks and benefits of the vaccines, we first would want to test these vaccines in people who are at the lowest risk. And those in general are non-pregnant people. And in Dr. Karen's view, the next step should then be testing in pregnant people as soon as possible. But she says that doesn't always happen, partly because of the way we think about inclusion. At the same time that there was there were such great efforts made to be inclusive in these efficacy trials, pregnant women were excluded. So a 70-year-old Black person could look at the data that is freely available, that is posted on the FDA website and published and say, you know, what happened to people like me in this trial? You know, what, what are the data on older Black people? A pregnant woman can't do that because they were excluded from the trials. And so there are individuals that are having to make decisions with their healthcare providers absent data. And I think that that's really unfortunate. And is that changing at all? Or are we starting to get data from people who had been vaccinated who are pregnant? Yes. So the CDC maintains a safety database specifically for COVID-19 vaccines called VSAFE. It's basically an online tool where after you receive the vaccine, you can update the CDC with how you're feeling and whether you've had side effects. It's certainly helpful. It's probably the best information that we have right now. It is a little bit different to do what are called these observational studies rather than a randomized controlled trial. But Given the the current state of affairs, I think it's really important that we're collecting those data. And actually, Pfizer has just started a 4,000-person trial of pregnant people with the plan to follow the infants for six months after they're born. But the fact that that didn't happen sooner, it seems to me like what makes this problem so challenging is that you do have scientists who want to protect pregnant women, want to protect their infants. And so what they're doing is is taking steps out of a sense of just being concerned about the risks, but that because they're doing that, it creates more confusion and lack of information for pregnant people who do have to consider these decisions. So what do you think should be happening different in this process that would allow pregnant people to have more data and more confidence sooner when it comes to these vaccines or really any vaccines? Right now, the default is to exclude pregnant women from studies, right? We say that you should really turn that on its head. The presumption is that you should include pregnant women. That doesn't mean necessarily that you include all pregnant women in all studies, but that you justify why you're excluding them. You don't justify why you're including them. 
But I wonder how much of this is also more of a a larger change in how people think about pregnant people and their responsibilities to, to pregnant people, that it's in some ways that it requires a philosophical shift. it actually goes back to um, what we were talking about in terms of when when you use the term vulnerable, which I understand completely why you used, that these are individuals with agency. These are individuals who there have been workshops on, on pregnant women's immune responses. And it's very clear that they're different than non-pregnant individuals, but they're not weakened or that's very outdated thinking. The the notion that pregnant women are somehow immunocompromised or immunosuppressed. That the assumption of of weakness among pregnant people is an unfair assumption. Yeah. And, you know, it sort of spills over that, you know, that assumption, you know, just think about the language we use. That assumption of immunologic weakness sort of spills over into other kinds of weakness. So maybe things will be different for the next vaccine. But for now, pregnant people have had to find other ways to get the information they need on the coronavirus vaccine and to feel like they have some agency in making this decision. Well, the question that it's literally answering is, should I get the COVID-19 vaccine if I'm pregnant or if I'm lactating or breastfeeding? That's Dr. Lauren Westifer, an emergency physician with Bay State Health in Massachusetts. She is one of the authors of a six-page PDF that has now gone viral. Basically, it's a guide to how pregnant or breastfeeding people should approach this decision. And the reason it's being shared over and over around the country and around the world is because it's actually trying to give informed guidance rather than just a giant shrug emoji. So we wanted to help walk people through this decision rather than being like, you're on your own, because we do have evidence out there. And so we can piece together Mm -hmm. to help people decide, am I the right type of person for the COVID vaccine? Or maybe I don't need it right now and I can wait because I work from home. I don't have any high risk contacts. I don't have anyone else in that home that really goes out so I can keep myself in this pregnancy safe. So. Tell me about some of the big takeaways of that guide in terms of how people should think about these decisions of whether or not it's safe, whether or not their exposure is worth getting the vaccine, and how people are supposed to come to a decision at the end of this. So the first part, sort of, we, we have it laid out just as you said in terms of what what is my exposure? Lauren went through all this thinking herself, too, because she is pregnant. I am an emergency physician and I live and breathe in COVID world. And so for me, I don't have that option. I also happen to have a mother-in-law who lives in our in-law unit and she's she's elderly, so I don't want to expose her. My wife also works outside of the home as a public school educator. So we, we don't have that capability to kind of completely isolate. Now, you know, some people do, and, and we sort of lay out analyzing your risk, your individual level of of risk and exposure in terms of your job, your home situation, and those things. So the takeaway is, no, we do not know for certain that there are absolutely no risks with getting the vaccine while pregnant. 
But we do know that there are significant risks if you do get COVID while pregnant. That's why Lauren chose to get vaccinated. And she says that that might not be the right choice for everybody. People who have very low risk of exposure might consider waiting. But at least people should have the best, most up-to-date research and data to be able to make an educated decision for themselves. That's what Ileana has done. I probably get it with the general population because I'm not in the risk groups anymore. I just sort of feel that I'm not sort of like in that must-get-it population yet. I am working from home, so I don't feel like I'm risking myself about bringing COVID, for example, to the baby because we're not going anywhere. (laughs) We're staying home for the most part. And for Tamaris, she says that she's just seen too many people in her community get sick or die of COVID. And she's really taken to heart what she's learned about the vaccine from trusted voices in her community, including her brother. He's a doctor who's been on the front line of the vaccination effort. Now that I've, I've had enough conversation, there, there are first frontline healthcare practitioners who have got the vaccine who are pregnant who have delivered healthy babies and or people who have participated in the trials that have eventually got pregnant and everybody's doing fine. There seems to be no negative outcomes. You know, having that information has been important and having having that perspective that is from someone that that looks like me, that understands our our history, that understands our realities now. If I have an option to get the vaccine as a pregnant person, I will take it. I want to be on that list. What what do you think it will be like once it happens? Like, what do you imagine that you will feel when you're getting vaccinated and after you have been vaccinated? I think, yeah, I I just breathe the sigh of relief. I think I will have a sense of a relief. I feel a lot more hopeful now. I feel like I can, I do, I do feel like I'll be able to do a few more things with some, with a little bit more lightness in my heart. Rebecca has now received both doses of the vaccine through her job. I haven't been able to do some exercise routines that I would like to do for pregnancy. I haven't been to a gym or a pool in a very long time, of course, but I'm thinking about signing up again for a gym membership so that I can swim. I think that would be, you know, a great weight off my shoulders if I'm able to do an activity that helps to keep me healthy and active during pregnancy. I think that would be great. This piece was produced by Renny Svernovsky, with editing from Alexis Dio and Maggie Penman. Thank you to senior audio producer Robin Amer and reporters Carolyn Johnson and Francis Steed Sellers. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Catch up on recent episodes by going to our episode archive at postreports.com. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.